Hey guys, welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly, and today I am here with a very special guest. I'm here with Sarah Dietschy, who is a tech and creativity YouTuber. Um, she's also a Leo, which I was delighted to twinsies. see. Yes, twinsies. Um, I always get along with Leos. It's kind of part of being a, you know, it's you, you have your lion pride, so naturally. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Um, I am based in New York from Dallas, Texas, and I've been a YouTuber full time for three years now. Um, I posted my first video in 2011, though, so I've been at it for a minute. That's a long time. Yeah, I didn't get consistent until 2014, 2015, and it really started with just really miscellaneous stuff. I was into music, so I would be selling, like, guitar pedals on my YouTube channel, and um, I would make, like, cheesy music rap videos in high school, and it started with just anything and everything. And then once I started getting really into video, um, every piece of gear that I would buy, I would, you know, of course, do the unboxings, and I would do camera tests. And um, that naturally kind of got me my my initial audience, and I fell in love with. I've always been like a gearhead, so um, with music I've been a gearhead, but also with uh, cameras and stuff, it it helped me uh, kind of develop a community of people who not only loved making videos, but you know loved the gear, loved talking specs, um, and I, I love on my channel to not only just unbox things and you know, talk about the specs, I can get kind of boring, but how do they fit in filmmakers, designers, photographers' lives, and, um, you know, going out in the world and actually using that tech? This seems like kind of niche. Is it not niche? I mean, maybe it's yeah. only, maybe it's niche because you were, like, a teenage girl? Yes. At the time in, when in you were doing of, this? In terms of, it's still pretty unique to be a girl doing this. <laughs> um, there's a lot of the, the tech YouTube, uh, niche on YouTube has definitely matured um there's definitely a lot of people doing it but in terms of when when i started consistently posting in 2015 um very rarely was it adding your life and uh, a lot of it was sitting behind a desk talking about stuff um very rarely would people like go outside of the room test it out talk to people um and i had some docu-series stuff as well that uh you know, shared the life of creatives and that that was sharing the creative process back then was not as common as it was now. So um, I was kind of feeling a void of what I wanted to see. And it, it I figured out that a lot of people wanted to see it as well. But just backing up even further, how did YouTube come on your radar? Um, I just pulled up your chart. So I see that you are five years younger than me which is cool <laughs> it makes it's me fine. feel young but I but you know truth be told I remember when YouTube launched it was um 2005 or 2006 mm -hmm. uh, I was in I, I think I was in my sophomore year of high school and I was like okay great now I can watch all of the Rolling Stones videos mm -hmm. from the 70s that I hadn't been able to see because they wouldn't play these on MTV. And that was the first three years of, of YouTube for me, was yeah. just watching old bands perform. And then I guess in that time, um, people started realizing that there was other functionality yeah. for it than just that. But I, I literally feel like by the time I became privy to the fact that YouTube was a thing, YouTube was already like over as a mm. thing mm. but how did youtube and creating that platform come on your radar um were you looking for a way of 
disseminating your ideas and getting out there? Were you always a performer or were you informed by the platform? It started as a utility for me. So a lot of it was no other place you could host your videos, send a link to someone, and they could watch it. There was no Google Drive. There's no Dropbox where you could upload and view like instantaneously. So really it started as a utility in the beginning for uh, when I was into music. I, again, was very... I churned through a lot of gear. I would buy, I would enjoy it for a little bit, and then I would decide something, I need something else, so I'd sell it. So um, there was a really popular forum called the Gear Page. And if you posted a video along with what you were selling, you would get more responses because it was very rare to have anything more than a picture when you're trying to sell a guitar, pedal a guitar. So um, really it started as, hey guys, I'm selling this here's my YouTube link. And, you know, it started out maybe getting 100 views and I sold the pedal. Cool. I'm good to go. But then I noticed a year later that video all of a sudden had 3,000 views. It all of a sudden had 5,000 views. It kept climbing. And so that was when I first realized, oh, YouTube is also a search engine. It's so much more than just a hosting website to Mm. link to people. It's literally built on top of Google, which was right, this, right. that. So I had that aha moment kind of in the beginning. And then it kind of became just a dump for me posting my video projects because I love videos. But in 2013, as a you know high school student, being a YouTuber wasn't a thing. I wasn't posting on an upload schedule. I, I didn't care about um, that. I just wanted to send people my videos and it was free. <laughs> Were your parents concerned about you having your videos out there and recording you know just constantly sort of dumping your ideas and your thoughts onto this platform that everybody could see and would never go away not really I think in the beginning they I mean they knew kind of what I was doing but they probably had no idea that I was posting to YouTube (laughs) (laughs) like it was one of those things where you know I had to go behind my dad's back to get a MySpace it was it was kind of more of the social media like YouTube wasn't a social media in the beginning and so I think they were more concerned about oh MySpace is the worst don't get a MySpace I eventually got a MySpace so YouTube was like the it wasn't in that same realm it was like oh you posted a video and people are watching okay cool whatever so in the beginning it wasn't really it didn't seem menacing (laughs) yeah exactly and it was it was much more of a um not a pure place but it was it wasn't mainstream so if people were on there and spending their time watching you very rarely Um, would they be wasting their time to leave a negative comment? It was like, it was kind of this energy of like, oh my God, this is so cool that we have this thing. And it felt more like a community. And if you were watching a video with your fellow, you know, everyone else, it felt more like a, hey, we're in this together. This is cool. It's, it wasn't to the point where, like, someone clicked on your video because it was recommended, and then they were just like, oh, I hate you. What, what the hell is this? I'm going to leave a mean comment. Thumbs you know? down, mean comment. Exactly. You are the worst. Exactly. So it was, it was very different back then. So then, so then what happened? So then, I mean, because now YouTube is, like, the land of the troll. Yeah. Um, and, but even separately from all of the freakadeeks who go on there in their spare time to just, like, spew nasty things um how did you then continue to evolve your business yeah um it so again it was always fun right it was always something that 
in the back of my head eventually I was like oh this could be something but it wasn't until really beginning of 2016 that I saw it as a job um and so my entire goal was to just because I, I went to college for three and a half years for electrical engineering and I hated it so much so really my only goal in life was to do something creative not be an electrical engineer because I just I hated it did you know that you were going to hate it when you started school? No, I legit, it sounds so goofy, but I legit got into electrical engineering because I was like building pedals on the side, like guitar pedals. And I was like soldering stuff. I'm like, oh, I would like electrical engineering. But once it became school, I could care less about circuits and resistors and all the nitty gritty um I just didn't care about it. It, it I, I liked to play music. I didn't like to build stuff. So, um, so very quickly I learned that I didn't like it, but I had a scholarship. So I was kind of playing it out until it was a good backup plan, you know? So I was desperately searching for what I wanted to do in life. Um, but I wasn't gonna, you know, pivot until I knew for sure not for sure you never know for sure but until I was confident enough to take that leap so um yeah it was it was one of those things where the moment that you know I built up like a few thousand subscribers I was at like uh 3,000 subscribers 4,000 subscribers and I had some video jobs with a production company in Nashville I lived there for a year um that was when I felt confident enough to where like hey I ran out of scholarship money because it's impossible to keep a 3.5 GPA as an engineering major um lost that so I was about to go into debt for something that I hated to do and then I had you know basically seven to ten years of preparation making videos for fun all leading to this moment where hey people pay for video work if I can't make this YouTube thing a job I'll just make wedding videos and corporate videos until I can do my own thing. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I decided to take that leap, and it worked out. So what was then going on, like, in at that point, did your parents realize that MySpace wasn't the issue? Right. <laughs> I mean, le- luckily, you know, my parents had been super supportive of everything. I mean, when I – it was very hard for me to, to come to the thing of dropping out of college because even – four years ago five god how old am I um <laughs> what year is yeah, it yeah um so even I, I truly don't know you couldn't look to me for the answer <laughs> here I'm like what the heck um I, I'm glad that it's becoming more normalized like alternative ways to get jobs and you know life after high school but even four years ago you you still wouldn't think about not finishing college um, and it honestly wasn't until I watched a YouTube video and it was, <laughs> it was my hero, Casey Neistat talking to this like little energetic older dude named Gary Vaynerchuk. And I never he- heard of him before. Um, do you know who he is? Well, I know who he is because I did a little preliminary work okay. on you. Okay. So. <laughs> there you go. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And he was say- he was saying things that I had never even heard before because I had always been a creator but I very rarely thought of it as like an entrepreneurial thing so everything that Gary was saying in this interview with Casey was like blowing my mind and this was in 2015 when Gary maybe had 50,000 subscribers on YouTube um he's a CEO of a big agency now he has like over 2 million subscribers so he was saying all this stuff and they got to a point where Gary just said it he was like well you don't have to finish college to like someone's question And he just, like, he just kind of went into that. And it was almost like someone with 
someone with authority, someone with credibility, like, gave me the permission to even think about that. And that was kind of when it all turned, and I was like, oh, wait, he's right. Like, why would I go into debt for something that I hate to do? Why am I living for plan B when I'm 20 years old? Like, your plan B is for when you're, like, 50, and you're, like, living on the side of the street, and everything that you've tried hasn't worked out, you know? Right, and then you're like, maybe maybe. I should reconsider yeah it's not for like when you're 20 years old and you're trying to not. figure out your life so um it's almost just like having that permission from him he was answering like you know another person's question that kind of got the gears turning and um once I kind of told my mom and my dad my mom had been on the phone with me every day she knew how miserable I was she knew that I was like hustling on the side I had all my video gigs um and then my dad you know I don't have as close of a relationship with him so when I told him he was like no you're going to finish college. And I was like, are you paying? <laughs> I was like, do you want to pay for my college? Because then you would have a say, but you're not paying for my college. Right. This is my responsibility. I'm sorry. So it was a little tough with that. But again, you, you kind of realize that you, you were not living your life for your parents. Like, it's your life, right? And so they, yes. they came around. <laughs> yes. Something that cannot be emphasized enough is that you're not living for your parents you're not living for your teachers you're not living for the expectations that society has imposed on you from when you were you know before you even came into this world right Mm -hmm. because all of those expectations predate you Mm -hmm. doing your things um in astrology we have this thing called the saturn return that happens when we're in our late 20s and that's really when we need to you know, face the fact that we are our own parents. But what I find really interesting is when people like yourself, I also relate to this, didn't really have the hand-holding from their parents before, um, and it actually makes the Saturn return a whole lot easier Mm. because if you already are realizing that, you know, you're the one who is paying for things, you're Mm -hmm. the, you're, the responsibility is falling on you, and fundamentally like you're going to also have to be the person who gets you out of shitty situations then when you have your Saturn return so something you can look forward to is Mm. that it actually all just gets a hell of a lot easier Mm. because you get the tools to be able to really execute and you take some of the pressure off the mom and dad figures who may have not been there as much as we wish they were right so You know, something that I see come up a lot with my clients is actually when their parents are paying for them. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the, it actually, it feels like a luxury, but it actually can be a total burden because you don't make the choices that you would instinctually, innately make for who you are and what position you're in because you feel responsible for your parents paying for you and that applies if they're paying for school if they're paying your rent um, if you're living at home all of those can feel like they're um, you know opportunities but they're not they actually are can be really stifling because you're scared of disappointing them you're scared of breaking the the good thing that you got going on Mm -hmm. but in reality it's like it's not that good if you're not challenging yourself and you're not stepping into your light and coming into who you are couldn't have said it better yeah it's I think we it's very easy nowadays to expect 
the world from other people and expect other people to um, fix your life. And I've always thought that was kind of like an odd way of thinking. Um, And even like in like I'm not super political, but both sides, both sides of the aisle, no matter what you believe, there's there's a sense of like if I vote for this one person, my problems will be solved and they'll give me everything for free and, you know, maybe X, Y, Z. And it's like because it's like both sides just different ways and it's such a weird way of thinking because it's almost like you're just you're living your life waiting for something that truthfully will probably never come um and I think that's why you know like what you said it's such a blessing when your parents do not put that pressure over your head of controlling your life because literally the moment they they kind of I mean I grew up where I'm like very middle class I had a roof over my head my dad worked my mom stayed at home um you know we ate dinner as a family every night like it was very like nuclear family vibes but um and everything was good but the the one thing that I really admire in hindsight when you're a kid maybe you don't admire it but if I ever wanted anything if I was ever passionate about anything they'd be very supportive but if I wanted something I'd have to like go babysit and buy it like Sarah that's awesome you want to play guitar that's fantastic if you want that guitar maybe let's let's go down the street and talk to you know xyz about a babysitting job or like hey referee those basketball games and so um very early on I kind of equated like oh if I want something I have to like go out do something for it and then I can buy it so um yeah when you're a kid you're like why can't you just give me allowance like every like you know Susie down the street gets a hundred bucks a month like where's my hundred bucks a month um so, so yeah, it, ditto with what you said. Yeah, I, I also relate to that. I, yeah. um, I started working when I was, well, I started, I tried to start working when I was eight years old, actually, and I, I called. It's illegal. Yeah, totally illegal. Yeah. I yeah. mean, but it was the 90s, so yeah. it could yeah. have happened, maybe. Yeah. But I would call, I would go into the yellow pages, oh my God, and I yellow would find pages. babysitting yeah. agencies. I myself oh, a baby and I would yeah. call and I would be like hello <laughs> I do it voice and I'd be like hello I'm interested in a job and I'm sure that they could tell it was like basically like being the kids who stack up on each other yeah. and put the trench coat on yeah. as like a I'm an adult so I used to try to call agencies to get on their radar so that I could be a babysitter when I was still at the age when I needed a babysitter That's so funny. I started to create my first my first uh business was called the byc club and my mom was like what does byc stand for and i was like because i didn't know that acronyms stood for anything i thought it was just That's like so <laughs> i oh thought it was gosh. just like it a just couple, sounds cool a mom. couple of letters you put together oh my God. um so as soon as it was legal for me to start working i started working i love that <laughs> and i started working at 14 and have worked ever since i feel like it should be like a younger age i know i mean like child labor laws yes 100 (laughs) percent. but i was in the same position where i was refereeing basketball games they couldn't officially pay me until i think it was yeah 13 or 14 and so before um not getting paid i was still working but i was just saying there were volunteer hours to qualify for my like national honor society in middle school so i was basically just waiting for the moment they could pay me and then I was just getting like a volunteer hours and because it was like it was fun it's like a sense of purpose outside of school which I had always tried hard and I did well but I never was 
you know those people who like like school I don't know if that was you but like I never really liked school so being able to find these outlets outside was like a relief for me I think that for me working was it felt as you said it gave purpose it like validated um, what I was doing and what my experiences were and it also gave me money which Mm -hmm. I also would not be able to get things unless I had the money to do it so for me it was like hell yeah of course I want to work and and when I first started I was loco like I felt (laughs) like I was like high rolling Jay-Z living I would take my friends out to like milkshakes and I'd be like it's on me like (laughs) honestly still to this day that's like one of my favorite things to do is when you know you go to like a fancy dinner or something and um you just kind of like pay for the check low-key you know that's that's like one of the coolest signs I think of any type you know you don't have to be rolling to do that every once in a while okay so let's go back to your story let's so it's where are we so you hear this guy and I wanted I'm excited to hear sort of how this all comes full circle um only because I had some spoiler alerts when I also was doing a little googling yeah, on you yeah yeah um okay it so. is very full circle yes yeah. so let's keep going I'm, I'm fascinated by this yeah so basically I heard those words okay I can drop out had the convo um it was it was literally at a point I had this like awkward nine months in Nashville Tennessee because I just wanted to get out of Dallas and it seemed like a natural step for some reason um and so I was going to Belmont for literally only two months and it was the most expensive two months of my life because it was fifteen thousand dollars for one semester wow because that's the first semester after my scholarship had run out and going back to kind of like I think people it's very easy when you when you like take out loans and that's the beginning of your process it's it's almost like they're not there it's just part of everyone does it and you'll worry about it later um but because I had that initial scholarship I had never uh, had to go through that route so when I when I had my first semester at a private school out of state um no scholarship literally it cleaned my bank account for one semester it was like you know $15,000 gone all my money's gone when you see that when you like physically see your money coming out of um something for the value doesn't match you know like the school school is just terrible I, I had changed to a computer science degree and we were learning stuff that completely irrelevant to someone who wants to learn about computer science or coding and once I saw that money go out I was like this is stupid this is so dumb so I, I basically stopped showing up to classes I was like talking to my parents I think I feel this way and then one day I just sent an email to all my teachers and, and was like, thank you, but I'm not going to be showing up anymore. Um, and essentially after the money came out after. Yeah. And I didn't even finish the semester. So wow. I was literally like six weeks into it. And for me, I was in a position where I'm like, I seeing that money come out. I was like, my time is so valuable. Like my time is more valuable than that money. And even if I, like, fall, finish this semester, like, I don't know what can happen in those two months, in those three months that could literally change my life forever. I cannot waste any more time. Good riddance, Belmont University. Um, and I was right. I mean, I literally, I dropped out. I finished up some jobs with a production company in Nashville. And as I was doing that, I was, like, posting to YouTube consistently. I was basically, like, reverse engineering this uh, – um, Adobe residency that I had learned about maybe seven months prior 
in the back of my head I was like if I get this residency that's my ticket like that's my ticket to do this full-time and that was 100% in the back of my head when I was thinking about dropping out I was like I will get the residency and I'll be fine so I can drop out and not worry about it and so yeah fast forward only a couple months it was February and I had applied to this Adobe residency and what is the Adobe yeah. Residency? So it's Adobe Creative Residency. Basically, if you're a photographer, designer, filmmaker, you use their products, they basically pay you a full-time salary for one year to just pursue your passion projects. And of course, you have to use Adobe products. So Premiere, Audition, Photoshop, Lightroom. Um, but it's, it's amazing, like amazing. So I had been like really studying the initial residence. It was only the second year and I was kind of getting ready to apply. So I applied for it. I had a lot of good stuff going. I was like blogging every day on Tumblr, rest in peace Tumblr. Um, (laughs) And I was like posting to my YouTube channel. I only had 4,000 subscribers, but I was 100% confident. I was like, I don't need to be a YouTuber to get this. Were there YouTubers? There were a YouTuber. Um, I I can't even pronounce it. I'm still working through (laughs) it. So I was actually the first um, person who did YouTube in the residency. Um, the first two were actually just two illustrators, so there had never even been a video resident at that point. Um, but yeah, I was like so adamant on, they were big on sharing the process. So I was already posting and blogging every single day and showing behind the scenes. So basically I applied, I made it to the final round of interviews. They flew me out to San Francisco on that trip to San Francisco, a video went live, or right before the trip to San Francisco, a video of mine went live because I was posting two times a week, trying to be consistent, um, about Casey Neistat, and I was basically, like, doing a, a parody video of him, and it went crazy viral after he shouted me out in one of his videos, and um, all of a sudden, I, you know, was doing this final interview, I got the residency, and then in the span of only a month, I went from then 4,000 subscribers to 100,000. What? So literally one shout out got me almost 100,000 subscribers. And all of a sudden I found myself with the audience and with the funding because with the residency I had a full-time or yeah full-time salary. We call that manifesting, baby. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so it's it's so funny because I mean people like to ask me um like oh man did it all just happen or like man you're so lucky and like I I totally like I always I divide like luck and serendipity I say luck is like I was born in the United States I had an internet connection I had a roof over my head I had supportive parents like that's luck you know I mean just like being born an opportunity um and then serendipity is you continually creating putting stuff out there putting stuff into the universe I would literally like the summer before I had my big break I sat down to dinner with my parents and my family, and I was like, okay, guys, I just hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. I promise you I will have 10,000 subscribers next summer. I'm declaring it now. And the next summer, I had like 200,000. So you know that that is magic, though. That is actually the magic of manifesting. (laughs) That's exactly what we talk about, which is putting it out into the world, saying it making it real Mm -hmm. um the term for it is abracadabra Mm, which literally means you may have heard of this one it literally means what i say i will it's like it's you you call it into reality you call it into fruition and that is what we do when we are setting intentions and creating Mm -hmm. you know uh 
goals and milestones and we're manifesting yeah. that's it's so huge it's huge you, you need to be able to say what you want to achieve in order yeah. to achieve it yep yep if you don't feel comfortable letting it be you know in the world then you're not going to be able to get it yeah you have to have the the confidence and the assurance that your desire your will is going to create it yeah and you, you know you don't have to sit there and like tweet every day your expectations of life but I, I think the the big thing no I mean no one wants to see that yeah shit. <laughs> yeah no one wants to see it but I, but the people in your life you know your your family your friends the people closest to you that creates accountability I mean when you tell your family I'm gonna do this and watch me and those are the people that probably have the highest hopes for you have the highest um, expectations of you um, and then if you're continually, you know, checking off that box, that's just like, that's a different kind of confidence that, um, cause you're not, you're not putting your hope and all of this stuff into people you don't know on the internet. Um, but you know, every time that I came home and talked to my parents, I was like, okay, you know, this is real. I told them I was going to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm not doing it necessarily for them. I'm doing it for myself, but it helps to have that, that accountability, Another clue that you are on the right path um, from a spiritual perspective is when you declare something to be, when you abracadabra it, and then you see a sign that you're moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And the sign doesn't need to be, I mean, yours was like the universe was like, here you go, baby. Yeah. Like, here's a hundred thousand people yeah. overnight. But it could be something, it could be even more subtle. You know, if, if your goal is scale and you are looking at followers, if you do see suddenly a jump, even 20 or 30 people after you have made the declare the, the, the declaration that you are going to grow and you're going to achieve whatever, that is the universe being like you are on the right path. Mm -hmm. When I um, was after my first business closed and I was trying to figure out, I mean, who I was, I feel like I had completely lost my identity um, and I started to work with astrology again and I started to, you know, open up talking to people about it and saying like, yeah, I think that you know, this is maybe something that I would keep going at. That was when Allure contacted me. Um, I was getting all of these like random opportunities to do events and to speak to people, mm -hmm. to do birth charts for celebrities like it literally happened within two weeks of me being like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to open myself to this. Yeah. And that was to me, I was like, all right, That's I cool. hear you. Universe, yeah. we're good. I'll keep going. <laughs> awesome. And it, it's when you are moving in the direction of your intuition, it really like opportunities open up. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that it's easy. No. But it oh, they open. Yeah. I, I think that's such a good point too is because it's not, it's, if you want an extraordinary life, it's not easy. You know, it's yeah. the, <laughs> I mean, luckily now I'm extraordinary. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You have to put in that extra work. Uh, you can't just expect the, the extraness without putting in the extra work. But, um, luckily now I, I'm like, I'm way more healthy. I get eight hours of sleep. 
live in life it's great but in in the beginning it, it comes in phases I mean those three years when I was trying to figure out life and I was in college and I was staying up until 2 a.m doing engineering homework and then from 2 to 4 2 to 5 I was editing videos it's truly how I really found what I love because I'm like if I'm willing to stay up after homework to do this video thing and it's giving me these feelings of just like accomplishment and um I just I was obsessed with it that's a good sign right and so that's how I was able to kind of move boldly and move confidently because I knew I knew it wasn't something that I was just obsessed with but um it it had potential and I I was good at it and And you were willing to put in the work for it exactly yeah so you you get the adobe residency yes and you are now do you have to be in San do you have to be in northern california no so they actually it's a really cool thing where they're just like wherever you want to be you can be so i moved to new york right after i got that like okay i have a decent salary moving to new york so a salary to be a creative that is so fucking cool isn't that cool yes yeah so you know now of course i'm in the essentially freelance life but it, it set me up to um for success so so then tell me let's go full circle with your your friend of Vayner yes yeah (laughs) so full circle it was so fun because you know not only my my OG hero Casey he shouted me out awesome I knew that they were buddies from that original video so literally the night after or a little bit after I emailed Gary and I was like hey love your stuff I've been watching you for a minute you've like inspired me a ton I have a show you can be on my show I'll be on your show I'll fly up to New York because still I was living in Nashville at this time I hadn't moved yet and um I didn't tell him I wasn't in New York I was just like I'll make it happen I'll I'll be in New York when you need me to be in New York um and basically the the subject line of that uh, email was you know girl from viral Casey Neistat video so you you gotta you gotta make the connection in the subject right it has to you have to like clickbait email subjects totally um and yeah he emailed five, five <laughs> minutes e- after clickbait email subject you, you line. have to so real yeah because um, email is so crazy nowadays you gotta stand out but yeah five minutes later he connected me with his assistant and I we set a date I flew up to New York and I was on a show and at that time you know it was equal value I mean he he had a hundred thousand subscribers and I had a hundred thousand subscribers so we were like on the same playing field which is kind of crazy not in life because he was like a CEO and very accomplished but just in terms of YouTube um and then yeah so I was on his show we took a rain check for my show and then um when I launched my podcast that creative life last year he was my first guest so it kind of all came full circle to where he helped me I was on his show um you know in the very beginning three years ago and then just just this past year um he's he's so much larger in life now which is crazy but um yeah he was my first guest on my podcast so um it's really it's cool it's like people say don't meet your heroes and I've had that experience with um certain people tell us their names I'm just kidding oh yeah (laughs) don't but I I always vouch for Gary being like the biggest sweetheart but also the dude with the most um probably the most reasons to be an asshole but he's not um so it's always refreshing when you meet people like that and he is he the ceo of vayner media yeah so like a 900 That's a big fucking deal yeah, yeah, yeah a 900 person digital agency i have friends that work there there you go <laughs> there you yeah, go so he's the ceo yeah so i'm sure 
people who follow Gary on Instagram and see him as like their business coach have a very different opinion than if you're like working for his company, you know? Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. He's, he's one of those people where you might loop him into that. Um, a lot of people are like, they say they're entrepreneurs, but they're not. And they try to sell you all this, you know, shit on Instagram. But, um, it's cool to have someone who's actually in the trenches and he's, he's doing it and then also posting about it and stuff. So it's cool. So you're an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Would you identify? Yeah, for sure. So what does your life look like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, uh, complete chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I admire all these YouTubers and um, creatives who have a perfect morning routine and all that stuff. And I'm continually trying to perfect it and work on it. Um, but I, the moment I kind of let go of not of being a person who doesn't have a set in stone schedule is really when, um, life got better. Um, so yeah, I kind of just make videos every week and I take life where it takes me. I travel a lot too. So, and do you travel a lot for work? Yeah, I really, I only travel for work. Is everything for work? Pretty much. It, it, it's helped that my boyfriend is also a YouTuber. So we've been together for like two and a half years so the in-between moments, the, you know, nights, dinner and Netflix, they're just, it's such a good relief from everything else. But I also have someone who um, understands like every detail of what I'm going through. If I, you know, was with like a finance bro or something, they'd probably just be <laughs> like, what, you got 5,000 views less than your other video? Like get over it. Um, so it, even though there's like both of our lives are work which is something that's uh, it's good to find because there's not a expectation of, hey, why aren't we hanging out all day? It's a Saturday. You know, we're like both doing stuff. It's a Saturday today. And it like is a Saturday he, today. he left the house before before I did, you know, because he has to go film a video. So um, that's helped a lot. And it's helped relieve the it's just a sense of like uh, an escape, you know, which is nice because I don't I, I don't need to find other ways of escaping basically so yeah actually so real just to sit on that for a second um something that I have seen time and time again with my clients and really I I also experience this in my own life is that when I'm not doing something that I love I love to do I lash out Mm -hmm. I get weird I end up in shitty relationships I'm like doing a bad job at the job that I didn't even really want to have and then I'm feeling really bad about myself for it but when I have an outlet that allows me to express myself in the full range of who I am Mm -hmm. which is the creative it is the sensitive it is the uh, business you know it's all of these things then I am just so much more fulfilled and I'm also so much more like grounded yeah so my scattered all over the place life doesn't feel manic to me because all across the board I'm doing things that I want to be doing and I have different outlets all day long that enable me to work with either like the business aspect of my brain or the emotional aspect or the the learning aspect because I also love to learn so much and you don't actually learn as much in school as you do when you're when you're in it in it and you're actually applying things 100 percent. and i i think for 
you know, entrepreneurs running your own business, I think there's this thing where if you are waking up every day and you're getting at least one step closer to your goal, it doesn't matter how much you're working. You know, it's, it's not this, um, burden of, oh my gosh, I worked like 12 hours today. I have to like only work X amount of time tomorrow. It's like, you're never keeping track. Um, but you're also in control. So it's like, there are really crazy weeks, Um, but also if I want to take a weekend off, I'll watch Netflix all weekend and like, I can't do that, you know, cause you, you are in control of your own life. But, um, it is one of those things where you don't become, you don't run your own business to have free time. Like that will never be the case. (laughs) If you want to limit your work to only 40 to 50 hours, keep your full-time job. It will like, you don't quit and do your own thing to work less. That is a big misconception (laughs) totally absolutely yes if if you are someone who values um like creating the division between work-life balance running your own business working for yourself you're gonna be a shitty boss to yourself (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah you have to be very fluid with that yeah I think that fluidity is such an important thing um I mean I it defines my existence you know Mm -hmm. I've always been someone who can sort of move in and out of spaces one day I'll get literally like 90 hours of sleep I'll sleep for like three days straight (laughs) and then for the rest and that's you know maybe quarterly that happens Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the time I'm running on like six hours happily yeah happily running on six hours because I'm falling asleep working on projects I wake up I start working on projects and then all the while in between I have my you know my consulting work that I do with my clients where I'm looking at their charts so speaking of charts um I pulled up your chart and unfortunately we don't have your birth time which definitely try to get so that we do this again and I can give you like the full rundown 100% Um, but I did want to call out your Mars in Gemini. So Mars is the planet of action and motivation and it's the fire under your ass and the way you get shit done. And Gemini is the first air sign and it's associated with curiosity, trying Mm -hmm. lots of different things, um, being, exploring, uh, learning, talking to people, being curious. I think that all of these things are you know, really captured in your practice. Mm-hmm. But I also am tracking Mars and Gemini to see if Mars and Gemini people are musical. Mm. Because so far, I have only worked with Mars and Gemini people or have seen this with musicians or people who are sort of music nerds. Yeah. Um, and you you confirm this, right? 100%. So yeah. listeners, if you are a Mars and Gemini write in (laughs) tweet tweet dm hashtag i don't know what to hashtag hashtag stars like us let me know if this applies to you are you a musical person is your mars and gemini um, musically oriented do you know someone with the mars and gemini who has this because this is also how we how we learn right is through empirical evidence through being able to find patterns and test things and I'm sure this also applies to your life as well with mm-hmm. your own work that you do when you're either editing or working on another creative project or gear it's like you're it's like trial and error mm-hmm. you're experimenting yeah for sure 100% so Mars and Gemini checks out right now boom so where can we find you, Sarah, and what are you working on right now? 
yeah so luckily with having a name like Sarah Dietschy, I am Sarah Dietschy everywhere <laughs> um Twitter Instagram and YouTube so I post regularly to regularly that's a hard word to say um on YouTube every week and then my uh, podcast just kicked back off so it's that creative life wherever you listen to podcasts <clears throat> so I interview youtubers artists ceos everyone in between um and yeah we're 50 episodes in gary v was the first episode if you want to check that out and yeah that's about it and what has been the process <coughs> of working with other creatives and sort of learning what have you learned through the podcast 50 episodes yeah. is a lot of interviews to do 100 percent. um i think it always goes back to these I, I love interviewing people and i've done it from the beginning of my youtube channel just interviewing creatives I love digging into people's lives and um you know everyone is so unique that it's not necessarily take these steps and it'll 100% work for you but it's more of the overarching themes of um hey this person got this far because they actually loved what they were doing that doesn't mean that it's rainbows and butterflies 24-7. That doesn't mean that they had to put in work that they hated, but why they crossed the finish line is because they love to do it. And I think that's such a big aspect if you are trying to make money as an artist, as a creative, um, not even necessarily, you know, like not wanting, I'm not talking about being this crazy CEO mogul life, but just the, the bare bones of making a living as an artist. I think there's a lot of, um, common patterns between these people who I, who I talk to and, um, you have to figure out what makes you happiest in life. And if it is hanging out on the weekends with your friends, turning things off, not having to think about work, um, and then maybe just having those creative, random creative moments in your life, like maybe the full-time artist thing isn't your thing. You have a nine to five, try as hard as possible to find something semi-fulfilling in that. But I, I found that if, if people can't find that one thing that they're just like crazy passionate about, um, they get more value out of being able to turn off their brain every day at 6 p.m. They get a lot of value of having all day Saturday and Sunday to live their life and um that's not how I live my life but that doesn't mean that one way is the right way so um I know that was a very long answer <laughs> but no it's, it's I really think, just, I think that yeah. it's really important because in the same way that school isn't for everyone um having a nine to five isn't for everyone but also having a freelance life isn't for everyone exactly uh it's it it can definitely drive you crazy if you are someone who requires structure and yeah. also let's be honest consistent income right <laughs> like yeah. if you're not someone who can like just chill out for a second and yeah. be like all right i'm going to have faith <laughs> that a new project is mm -hmm. going to come in and in six months from now I'm not going to get evicted yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so um so yeah it's been a lot of fun and um yeah you just you gotta live life for you I think that's the biggest takeaway from all the interviews. it is very short it, yeah but it is also very long if we're yes. lucky and the, the length of it allows a lot of time for trial and error and for experimentation to figure out where you want to go for astrology minded folk you might want to look at your midheaven um, which is the very tippy top of your chart and that shows you what your career and your legacy and 
what you are going to be remembered for is. So that is a really great portal into understanding who you can become. Unfortunately, I don't know Sarah's Midheaven because we don't Next have her time, time of birth. Next time. But I would imagine that it is in the sign of badass. Boom. I love it. <laughs> I don't know um, much about astrology, but just, you know, sitting here with you for a moment. I feel like I learned a lot. Good. So it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on this with me today. Mm-hmm. And you're so inspiring. And everybody go check out Sarah Dietschy's work everywhere. Um, she's she's doing the good work. Thank she's, you. She's fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight. That's what we're all <laughs> trying to do. <right? laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah.